Hi, I'm Matthew Gore from Wellington, New Zealand. Welcome to the Candid Frame. As a photographer, you likely know that when it comes to travel, it's often a matter of compromise. More often than not, you're traveling with people who aren't photographers. So your desire to get up hours before sunrise or to linger on a street corner for 20 minutes isn't received with much understanding, much less patience. So you squeeze in your photographic moments as you can. Because as your travel partner will no doubt tell you, they didn't come all that way just to watch you take pictures. So as much as I've enjoyed traveling with my wife and friends, I've always dreamed of a trip that is not only dedicated to photography, but that I would share with a photographic peer, someone who I wouldn't need to explain myself to or justify myself with. It would be a trip that would allow us to get lost on streets far away from all the tourist traps, led by someone who knew the area so well that there would be no shortage of discoveries and surprises. And while I've yet to have that kind of trip, I know three photographers who have. Photographers and friends Sam Abel, Arthur Meyerson, and George Nabechi recently went on a trip through Japan doing exactly what I just described. While George currently lives in Japan, both Arthur and Sam have traveled there to work and teach, but this was the first time that they did it together, not because they were teaching a workshop or working, but because they wanted to spend time together as friends. It appears to have been a magical time, and the three of them were kind enough to share some of that with me when we conducted a Skype call during the tail end of their trip. For Sam Abel, the benefits of that trip were quite obvious. I, w- I will say that, that, that it's extremely uh, comfortable. There's great comfort level here uh, that we don't have to apologize for getting up early, staying out late, lingering over a situation, or taking a half day off and um, just taking a walk. Uh, there's been no apologies, no explanation. We've only probably showed each other two kinds of pictures really a sweet success or something really funny having to do usually with each other in some absurd situation that one or the other of us caught and and i'm i will say we talked about this at breakfast this morning but i've been a i've i am a very dedicated photographer of daily life so for somebody like me that loves daily life wherever i am this trip's been great their travels some of which was done by train provided ample opportunities for great photographs, but this trip was more than about picture-taking. As Arthur Meyerson aptly describes, it was about moments shared. I didn't have any photographic expectations for this trip. I never do. I want to go out and I want to be influenced by what's out there. I've always said it might be the light, it might be color, it might be a moment, it might be all three, but I didn't have any agenda. I just wanted to go. I wanted to be on this trip with these two guys. I think the big thing that we had going, and I think in so many words, we got chemistry, and it's worked. That, of course, is a big, big thing in doing a buddy trip or a trip with a friend or friends. Without that, I don't think it would be successful. We could have not made pictures at all, and the three of us would have had a good time. We've managed to do that a lot. But the fact that we are doing something we love doing, walking around, seeing sharing that scene with each other, 
that's big, that's huge, and that's just something you can't do, you know, all the time. So to be able to have that type of environment, that type of atmosphere, that type of camaraderie, that's what I wanted, that's what we've got, and uh, I think the results will be, again, what we see in the final pictures. We'll talk to Sam, Arthur, and George about how such a personal journey was unlike anything that they've ever done before, and what experiences they've had together that they would never have had on their own. This is Ibarian X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. So thanks, guys, for doing this. You guys look like you're having a lot of fun. <laughs> we have had a lot of fun. We've hidden the bottles and all the evidence. <laughs> oh, my God. I can only imagine. But but let's start off with, with what brought you guys to, together and uh, why you decided to, to, uh, to do this. I'll start with the backstory. About 25 years ago, Sam and I, in a evening of libation, <laughs> dreamed up the idea of a train trip across the country. It could have been Mexico, it could have been India, it could have been a number of places, and it was a dream for a long, long time. And then George Novecchi came into the picture. And I'll let Sam explain how that came about, but this has been the fulfillment of a dream that uh, he and I and now George have had and fulfilled, and we're going to talk about it today. So George and I met in a workshop four years ago and struck up a friendship and a very respectful one. Uh, and the basis of it was photography and his backstory, Japan, uh, his country and country that Arthur and I respect, admire, and uh, longed to be in working. We we like it as a place, and we like it as a culture, and we like it as an inspiration for our photography. So I think I believe I told George about this, and it was a very naturally occurring plan that George has produced and brought forward. You know, without him, the trip would not take place, would not have taken place. And uh, George, for uh, all of you guys have been on the show, so, people, so some people may be familiar with each of you, but why don't you kind of catch us up a little bit in terms of what your story is and how you came to collaborate with these two. So uh, it was four years ago this March. In fact, we had the anniversary of that. Uh, Sam, Arthur, and I met in Santa Fe. I had signed up for uh, Sam's class at a workshop there, and Arthur was teaching the same week, and the three of us met for the first time then. I had had a, a whole different career due to family circumstances, uh, death of my father when I was in college, and so I went off uh, to, to work in the financial industry in Tokyo and New York, but it wasn't for me. I'd always loved photography, but I never considered it as a possible pursuit until I met Sam, <laughs> and we ha had a magical week in Santa Fe together. You know, at the end of the workshop, Sam asked me what my plans were. Um, you know, I'd left my home, my career, all my stuff was in storage, so I was kind of wandering. And he said, uh, well, two things. He said, well, if you're considering photography, I, I, I'd like to help uh, encourage that. And two, you should go to Japan, which I was. And I did a Japan by train journey on my own, sort of to rediscover my own roots. Uh, and out of the basis of that, I came back to Sam and Arthur and said, maybe we could work on, you know, bringing uh, groups of people through expeditions and tours and workshops to Japan. So that's how that conversation began. My first trip was three years ago with Arthur in wintertime, and we, we, we journeyed together. And since then, we've done a couple of more trips, done two trips with Sam. But this was the first time where we you know, came together, the three of us, in Japan, 
And it was just us, for us, you know, to journey together about friendship and photography. That's beautiful. That's great. And Sam and Arthur, how, how, how did you guys come to know each other? And how long have you known each other? At least 25 years or more. We met on a rainy evening at Jamezel's at the bank way back then. Um, at that point, I think we, we became fast friends. And eventually, talked to Reed Callanan at the Santa Fe Workshops about teaching the same week, which we've been doing together ever since there, Maine, San Miguel, a few other places. Yeah, the rest has been history. As you mentioned, George mentioned that you guys respectively have been teaching workshops in Japan. So when you have an opportunity to, to travel like, like that, you're, you're still teaching. And so a lot of that time is sort of dedicated to in the service of others. It's quite a different thing to go out for yourself. And you guys usually, you know, oftentimes are doing stuff where you're, you, you're the photographer, right? But you're doing it because you're working. So now you have the opportunity to do it solely for pleasure, but you're doing it with someone else who's also very accomplished as, as a photographer. What's, what's that experience like? It's the best experience. And I want that message to be loudly expressed and clearly expressed to your listeners. I photographed and Arthur's photographed under every circumstance imaginable, alone, with writers, with producers, art directors, with spouses, the best way to photograph. And by that, I mean the most inspiring and the most energizing way to photograph is a, what I'm going to call a buddy trip. I've had two or three of them in my career and life. And the dynamic of being out photographing concurrently, but not simultaneously, is highly energizing. And it's, I believe, on this trip, uh, once again, the proof will be in the photographs. And I think what, what we're going to see, what we have somewhat slightly seen already, is new photographs done to a high level. So, yes, it's been friendship. It's been richly, thanks to George, about Japan, about little seen, little known, little photographed Japan. It's been about trains, uh, which we all, th all three of us love. And the, the dynamic of Japan, of the rail trip, of our friendship, and of our photographic aspirations, that dynamic is the dynamic of this trip. And as I say, the results will be in the photography, but already we're excited about what we've seen. Hmm. How about for you, Arthur? I absolutely agree. There, there, I think a word that came up the other night at dinner that we all, I think, thought matched the trip was generosity. There's a generosity of spirit on this trip that it's been natural. It hasn't been forced. I think the three of us, again, as good, close friends, that's one thing. But in the sharing of our photos, when we go out on a daily basis, we may walk side by side or we may go in three different directions. No plan. Just out looking, making the images that we would typically make or not typically make. In my case, first few days, I spent a lot of time watching and observing these two and how they work. Very different than myself. And it's had a bearing, I think, on me on this shoot, on this trip. And I think some of that's rubbed off. On this trip, equipment-wise, I've taken the equivalent of a 24, a 35, and a 50 millimeter lens. That's it. For me, that's substantially less than I would normally take. That already has forced me to see and do things differently. But the encouragement when we get back in the evening and show each other photos and talk, that's wearing 
uh, uh, beautifully on all three of us. And that's that again, that goes back to the generosity I was talking about. George, tell me about the, the experience. I mean, God, you got these two as bookends, right? You're the luckiest guy in the world as far as I'm concerned right now. But, but, but tell me about not just the experience of being with these guys, but when you were thinking about sort of the plan, because you, you live there. So I, I would suspect that this exploration that you guys were going to go together was a very personal one as well. So if you could talk about what the experience has been like as a shooter, but also in terms of how you want to share Japan with them. Uh, very good points, Ibarnex. One, yes, I agree. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I certainly feel that way. It's been an inspiring, uh, unforgettable couple of weeks for me, for sure. In terms of the personal connection, again, I've always tried to show people uh, in my care or people who are friends who come to visit or to shoot or even, you know, just come to eat the food or whatever Japan, the very best of Japan that, that I know. And the things that are usually not on the tourist maps, the, the guidebooks and things like that, the, the off the beaten path. The authentic everyday Japan. And so when we talked about this trip, we also wanted to continue that spirit. And it began in the north, in the heartland, where my family's from, of Hokkaido, uh, the northernmost island. And it began in, in winter. But in terms of planning the way we wanted to go, we wanted to do a north to south where we would experience everything from snow to spring and cherry blossoms as we have done. Mm. But to also do it with a combination of the personal uh, from my life, personal from Sam's life and Arthur's life as well in photography in Japan, but to do it in a new way with new destinations woven in between and always to have the backdrop of, the, of it being by train. And what that means, uh, it's, you know, especially a country like Japan, it's the core of how people get around. And being on the trains means that we'll see life happening before us, everyday life, at the stations, in the rail cars, when we get out from the, the little towns and we'll go out and explore. So we didn't just want to hit the places that had bullet trains and people were flying through, but the little off-the-beaten-path places. In the north, we began in the snow. Uh, we went to the town of my grandparents where they, they lived for half a century. And uh, my grandfather there was a high school teacher. We had a couple of amazing days just sort of exploring and revisiting that, but as photographers working in that place. And then we carried on south into some other areas that I never really had a chance to explore either. And then that brought us down through, you know, a host of other places that were sort of on the radar are places that I wanted to, to go and explore that I hadn't been to as well. So it was fresh for all three of us, and we could approach it, uh, things in that way. And finally, we culminate here in Hagi, uh, which is has a long, Sam has a long history with, dating back all the way to 1980 when he was here for the Geographic. But revisiting it now in the springtime, Sam was here in November uh, each time prior that he's been here. And so there's something different. Uh, for each of us in that. But all the way along, we've chosen, and you can we can attest to this, but we were alone in most of the places that, that we went because we were kind of off the main tourist uh, trails. Yeah, the train cars, the restaurants, the it seemed like everywhere we went, we seemed to have places to ourselves, which that actually made it even more special and totally unplanned. Sidebar to that, I think, which is interesting as well as the subject matter. We're not shooting for festivals or the, I would say, the generic or specific photos that people would normally come and photograph in Japan. In fact, it's been everything but, even though we have been in locations that would certainly qualify for that. 
it'll be interesting, I think, in the end to see what these photographs all end up being that we select. Something I brought into the trip was a memory of a, of an influential and moving body of work by Eugene Smith during mm -hmm. the 60s on Japanese rail uh, life, you might say. He lived here. He was, I think, it, the period when he did the Minamata, well-known Minama, Minamata uh, series. But he traveled around Japan by rail, photographed in black and white, and those photographs were published in Popular Photography magazine at the time. I never forgot those photographs. On top of a love for trains, which, as I said, we all have, there was photography, and, and there was Japan, and Smith's work united all those in my memory. And I... I brought the inspiration of that to this trip. For me, I think it was, I know it, it was Ernst Haas. And I came to Japan, it was my second trip, but a, a really intense trip in 1984. Ernst was leading a photo tour, uh, about 25 photographers. I was lucky enough, my wife and I, to be along that. And that certainly became my immediate inspiration, not only for to be with him, but to be here with him in Japan that kind of lit my fire and it's been ever since. And so there have been many, many trips, but the more tri recent trips that George has produced for Sam and I and the lucky groups that have gone with us, it's been deeper. We've made a concerted effort each time to do something different, to go to different places and give people a very different experience. Traveling by, by rail is a really sort of interesting uh, manner to sort of get around because there's so always often in a rush to get from point A to point B whether it's in a car or it's in, it's in a plane. And traveling by rail allows for a lot more sort of pensive time. Right. And I, I, I wonder how traveling in that way through, through Japan has sort of shaped how, not only how you see and photograph, but ex have experienced the country. To me, it's, it's about pace. The, as George said, it's, it hasn't all been by bullet train. We took a train called the stove train, which had a stove in the middle of it, they were cooking food on. And a number of uh. trains and regional trains like that. And so the pace has been slow and contemplative. Uh, for myself, I think for all three of us, we tried to photograph not only Japan, but the travel experience itself. In other words, you, I think we could single out a body of work that would just be about uh, train photographs Photographs of trains, the interiors, the exteriors, but also photographs of the landscape from the train and passengers and personnel and stations. So, uh, yes, this has been about Japan, but it's also been about travel itself. On the most efficient transportation system in the world, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the great thing about Japan is that we didn't have any hiccups in terms of our schedule. Whether it was the local or it's the bullet train, everything ran like clockwork. So we essentially, you know, we, we left a lot of freedom in this trip. We knew where we were going to start in the north and where we were going to finish in the south. But everything in between was sort of, okay, well, we could go to this next town. It looks interesting. And we're planning it the night before. And then we find an inn and it's available, and we book that, and then we go get on the train and we go. And it, it all runs like clockwork. We're there at the time that we want to be there. We had dramatic weather from hail to lightning to snow, blizzards, mm -hmm. you know, to spring weather, cherry blossoms. We had it all. Um, when we were, uh, in many ways, we were in the right spot at the right time so often. It was because of 
hey, let's be on the coast on this train for sunset time. And there we go. We saw one of the most beautiful sunsets, I think, that, that was, yeah. we can recall. You know, things like that work in Japan. And all through that is the, the thread. Um, I've, I've often said about Tokyo as well that the commuter lines, to me, feel like, like blood vessels. And they're, they're hubs that are like the heart of the city and they pump and a train runs through and then it comes to another place and pump and it goes to another. And Japan, I mean, the trains are really the heart of this country, the way people get around, the way they go to visit friends, relatives, etc. And more so than in, in most other countries, I think when you travel by train here, you see the real Japan. One thing I think, we haven't talked about this much at all, but I think it's, it's worth referencing and that is we're, we're paying for this trip ourselves. There isn't a sponsor. Uh, there isn't an assignment. None of us really have a, a, a destination for these photographs other than, well, I think all three of us are privately working on books that haven't even been declared. We do, I'm declaring it right now on your program. <laughs> 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 we, but we, Arthur's book is different than mine, and mine is different. George's is the most different because this as you said, is his country and his culture and his history. And Arthur and I have a different history uh, with Japan. And I think all three books are going to be personal, not generic, not um, coffee table books, but emblems of our love for Japan, mm. which, which in one way or another, Japan has been a part of my life, even when, I, when I'm not here, because of the aesthetic of the culture because of the people, because of the landscape, I think about Japan more than any other country or culture. And I think about it when I'm not here. And it's influenced my photography. So it refuels my, what you might call my real life, the rest of my yeah. year, the rest of my life to be here, fuels who I am spiritually and aesthetically and photographically. And so we're putting our own money and our own time, significant time, into this project, so it isn't it isn't perfectly carefree, even though the spirit of it is light and bright and generous, as Arthur said. But we put tangible assets into this trip of time and and of money. So if your if your listeners are inspired by hearing this, uh, my message to them would be: uh, it's worth it. Yeah. As you likely heard at the top of this episode, I want to hear from you. I want you to introduce yourself at the top of the show. I think it's going to provide a great way for us to get to know each other. And all you have to do is send me a quality recording that says something like this. I'm Robert Parker from Stockton, California, and welcome to The Candid Frame. That's it. Your name, where you're from, and an introduction to the show. Then when you send me that file, just provide me with a link to your website or Instagram feed, and I'll include it in that week's show notes. You could record it in any variety of ways using your computer or your smartphone, but just try to make it as good quality audio as you can. Include about three or four seconds of unspoken audio before or after you speak to help us to clean up that audio. Use a microphone if you have it, and just find a place to record it and send me the file via info at 
www.thepowerofpowerpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. You're talking, uh, you've been using the word generosity, which I think is really, really fascinating in terms of a travel trip together. Because I think when most people think about traveling with a friend or another photographer, they're always about fixated on the imagery, right? We're going to get some good pictures. and But I think that what's make what, for me, when I've had the luck to travel with someone that I consider a peer, the photographs are great, but it's the experience of sharing it with someone else that understands it, who I don't have to explain myself to, that makes it all all the richer. And I think that that's sort of at play here with the three of you. And I really would love each of you to sort of speak on speak on that. I, w- I will say that, that, that it's extremely comfortable. There's great comfort level here uh, that we don't have to apologize for getting up early, staying out late, lingering over a situation or taking a half day off and just taking a walk. Uh, there's been no apologies, no explanation. We've only probably showed each other two kinds of pictures, really a sweet success or something Mm -hmm. really funny, having to do usually with each other in some absurd situation that one or the other of us caught. And and I will say, we talked about this at breakfast this morning. I am a very dedicated photographer of daily life. So for somebody like me that loves daily life, wherever I am, this trip's been great because a lot of people don't like to be photographed in daily life. They w- wish the camera would go away. But, of course, Arthur and George haven't cared. And so they've indulged my uh, documenting of daily life. So when that's another document that's going to exist sometime is that when we put together the pictures of ourselves, they are high-level photographs. So I, I photograph daily life. To, to be a better photographer. And mm. uh, I photograph daily life because I believe in its worth. But so did George and so do Arthur. That's been a rich experience. I didn't have any photographic expectations for this trip. I never do. I want to go out and I want to be influenced by what's out there. I, I've always said it might be the light, it might be color, it might be a moment, it might be all three, but I didn't have any agenda. I just wanted to go. I wanted to be on this trip with these two guys. I think the big thing that we had going, and I think in so many words, we got chemistry and it's worked. That, of course, is a big, big thing in doing a buddy trip or a trip with a friend or friends. Without that, I don't think it would be successful. We could have not made pictures at all and the three of us would have had a good time. We've managed to do that a lot. But the fact that we are doing something we love doing, walking around, seeing, sharing that scene with each other, that's big. That's huge. And that's just something you can't do all the time. So to be able to have that type of environment, that type of atmosphere, that type of camaraderie, that's that's what I wanted. That's what we've got. And I think the results will be, again, what we see in the final pictures. Um, I'll add uh, two aspects um, to this. One is that um, I think that when we talk about generosity, one of the things that we can see is that we probably celebrate our, peer, our colleagues, our friends' successes more than our own. You know, so when one of us comes and says, you know, shows the back of the camera and says, look what I got. And the two of us, you know, the other two are happier, you know, to see uh, our friend get an amazing photograph than we are when we have something of our own. 
And so there's that generosity of spirit, that encouragement, which is which is so great to keep going. And the other thing is that we've been also on the, the other end, you know, we've been generous to each other about photographic opportunities, like, you know, to each other, George, you should take a look at this or, you know, come follow me this way. I see something interesting. Can you tell me a little bit about it? And it might have been something that I would have walked by because, you know, I'm from here and all of that. So there's that that feedback. But then at the same time, it's, you know, we're pointing out to each other and we're out there in blizzards, all three of us, you know, for hours and we're getting cold and wet and all of that. But we're all working. There's nobody. We're focused. We're helping each other. We're pointing out new possibilities and, you know, making different photographs than we would usually make because we're sort of rubbing off on each other in that way. Yeah. So it's been inspirational that way as well. Something that hasn't come up uh, yet, I'll just throw it on, and George and Arthur can talk about it a little bit, but they're using formats and medium media that are different than, I'm, I'm a straight 35 millimeter color DSLR photographer as I am every day, every other day of the year, but they have different cameras in black and white. You can say what you're doing there. Well, I am shooting uh, digitally with a couple of Leicas, but I've also decided to do something different, and that was I brought the X-Pan along, that Hasselblad X-Pan, the full camera. Oh, okay. I kind of dug out of the closet and thought, you know, this will force me to do something different that I haven't done in a long time, plus the fact that you're shooting film. It's very funny because every time you take a picture, you look on the back, there's nothing to look at. And uh, <laughs> itself has been uh, entertaining and funny at the same time. But the point being, I wanted to force myself to try to see and do things differently. And that camera, not only the fact that it's film, is doing that. So I'm excited about that. George, why don't you tell them what you're doing? Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep it brief. But uh, in addition to shooting digitally, uh, I'm shooting with uh, Mamiya uh, 6x7, doing something a little bit different for me as well. Medium format, film, slowing down. I've got 10 shots to make with that thing before I need to reload the film. And it's forcing me to be really discretionary about what I, what I choose to shoot with that. And mm. even though I'm also, I also have a digital camera with me to capture something that I need to quickly, it's, it's making me, uh, it's letting me, uh, forcing me to step back a little bit and think about what I really care about, what I want to do and learning lessons along the way, like leave one shot you know, at the end of your role, no matter what, when you're walking back towards the inn for the night, because maybe the most dramatic thing of the day is going to happen right at the end. And if you shot till the end of your role, you, you don't have it. Good lessons and, and, and things like that in there as well. Yeah, the film aspect does bring back discipline, which I think is out the window these days with digital. And so, as George just said, it was a couple of times, he, I know he lost a shot because he had the lens cap on. Sorry, George. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got several that are going to be goofs too. But it really, uh, it does slow you down. It does, there is a, uh, a, there's an end to that roll of film and you've got to be careful and do your best to, to leave a shot or two there. So that's been interesting. That's been a fun aspect. But yeah, we've certainly covered ourselves digitally as well. So that's probably as much technical as we want to discuss on this. Yeah. What would you say, each of you, has been an ex a moment that you've experienced there that may or may not be related to a photograph that you took, that you may have taken. But can each of you give me a moment that you don't think would have happened had you gone out by yourself and as a result of you guys being together? Something that you've, is special to you. 
for me, that happened the first day, first full day. We were in Wakanai, which is the northernmost point of Japan. And we woke up, there was a, a snowstorm and, and a very strong piece of architecture uh, that I call the concrete wave. It was a tsunami barrier made very sculptural decades and decades ago. And it's a monumental piece of architecture that looks like a wave. And we went in that direction. The three of us split up. George got up on a on an elevated area. And after a few minutes, he shouted to me, Sam, you've got to see this. And I knew that was serious. And I went up and I saw what he was looking at. And I commenced to photograph it in a way that was different than he was photographing. And then I saw an out-of-bounds area that was precarious to get to. And I said, George, we've, you've got to help me get on this ledge in this blizzard. <laughs> and I'm going to crawl on this ledge to this out-of-bounds area, go by the out-of-bounds sign, and make, make a photograph. So George helped me onto the ledge. I crawled out. He photographed that. It's a very funny uh, but telling photograph. <laughs> it's not the only one. <laughs> Cross the line, do not take photos, but we got the shot of him crossing the line, hitting the photos. So, anyway, what, what happened was we were all working in individually and independently under, under, in the same circumstance blizzard, concrete, massive concrete architectural sculpture. And George shouted to me, uh, I think you'll like this. And then I reciprocated the favor and I said, if you'll help me get out to the ledge and follow me, I think we'll take an even better picture. And, and I think it's the best picture that I made the entire trip. It was made the first day and it wouldn't have happened without George getting me up onto the middle level. And then from there, both of us went uh, onto the onto higher, more dangerous <laughs> and more illegal. <laughs> You'll, you'll want to see the behind-the-scenes contact. <laughs> oh, you, most definitely. You're going to have to share that with me. Oh, gosh. I, it, I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but one thing that has come up and we've all talked about several times is color palette. And the color palette that, say, Sam or George has been looking at this past couple of weeks versus mine uh, has been different. I know there were times, not in the beginning, because we, we dealt with a lot of, we'll say, monochromatic situations, a lot of snow, a lot of to most people's eyes, black and white. And at some point, maybe a weekend, I think I turned to them and said, I am yearning for some color and only to remind myself that that is color. It's a monochromatic mm. color. And it's something that Sam, you in fact have made, I think uh, the palette for the trip for you has been what you've mm -hmm. been looking at. It's been more that way. I myself have found myself looking not so much at bright, vibrant, vulgar color, but color within that monochromatic range and trying to uh, incorporate that. So, yeah, for me, I think it's color palette's been interesting as I cool. think about. For me, I would say that uh, w one of the most difficult things for me as a Japanese photographer living in Japan is just the cultural differences about taking, you know, straight on uh, street pho pho uh, photographs, let's say, of uh, depicting people's faces in a scene. And there's a, a real cultural sort of shyness and disinclination towards being photographed in, the, in that manner in certain situations, especially when there's no escaping it, like in, in a train car. You know, there's nowhere else for the person to turn to. You can make them very uncomfortable by shooting their faces in that situation. 
It's a little bit different from the U.S. It's just a cultural nuance. I watched Sam work a wonderful scene with a young woman that he's, you know, uh, spotted well before we even got on the train. And, and he followed her to a place and he photographed her. And that might come up later in the conversation. I'll leave that for Sam in terms of the details. But he made a very, very eloquent portrait of her. And to top that off, Sam had, and we, we discussed the differences about, about the cultural culture and, and things like that uh, the prior evening. And Sam took the step of going up to her and introducing himself, uh, showing her the photograph that he made, which was a beautiful, uh, timeless portrait of her and connecting with her and offering to send her a copy of the picture and all of that and, and made it whole, made it really, really special and wonderful. And for me, that was an inspirational moment. It wasn't about a, a specific photograph, but it was about the process that hmm. undertook to engage with this person. And I, I learned a very valuable lesson from that, which is, you know, well, one, the humanity and the, and, and the, the importance of, you know, being considerate and uh, human, but getting the shot. Sam got the shot and he did it because he took it first. He worked first as a photographer and then introduced himself as, as the wonderful human being that we know him to be and everybody else uh, who's been around Sam knows him to be. But that that, that order was important. That mm. I, I probably would have been in a situation where I might have asked if it was okay to take her picture first. And then I would have been had received a very different result because she would have been self-conscious about that whole situation. But knowing that you could still work within a culture and, and be yourself as a photographer and then be a good human being was, was, was a very uh, important lesson for me on this trip. That's great. Before we wrap up, George, why don't you uh, tell us about your workshops that you've been doing with Sam and, and, and Arthur and what people who may want to uh, join, join you guys at some point. Right. So for the last few years, we've been working together uh, in Japan. Um, what, we, what we try and do always is craft bespoke journeys that are very specific to the interests, the, the way of seeing, um, and the vision of the photographer who, who leads the workshop. You know, Arthur and I, we first did Japan in winter together. We, uh, that was a season that Arthur hadn't uh, had a chance to explore Japan in before. So we worked uh, that together. And initially we did some traditional locations, but after that, I took Arthur off into the snowy, you know, wilderness of, of central Japan, um, you know, daily life in the farmhouses and all, all of that kind of thing. With Sam, we both had uh, an inclination towards uh, Matsuo Basho, the uh, Edo period poet, haiku poet, who left his home and journeyed north to write his timeless anthology of, of, of uh, haiku poems. Um, Oku no Hosomichi in Japanese, um, the narrow path to the deep north or the far north. So we used that theme of Basho's journey together as a, as a trip. We then also worked together in bringing Sam back to Hagi for a retrospective exhibition of his work that he shot for the Geographic in 1980 and based an experience around that, around Sam's Hagi, uh, working with local photographers, uh, with a local community, an exhibition, a talk, and all of that. And most recently, just in December, Arthur and I, uh, we did uh, the color of Japan, looking at fall color all around the country and going into these um, rural locations and, and all of that together, um, journeying for two weeks. And, you know, um, we're planning our next journeys together 
probably a return to Hokkaido um, and traveling around there together with Sam. And with Arthur, we're going to do an even better version of the winter. It'll have been four years and we're going to come up with a special journey that, that incorporates some new locations that, that we've been exploring together. And all along, we have camaraderie, we have sake, we have uh, critiques on the road, and we try to create an authentic experience where we stay in uh, traditional inns, like the one that we're in at the moment, that, that's so wonderful. Uh, but so that everybody can live, breathe, eat, and uh, you know, experience Japan, the real Japan. And real briefly, uh, we're working on doing one in December. That's right. Which you might give a couple of details to, to people. Right. So um, that was where I was going to lead into next, which is that we're going to do Tokyo together and some of the areas around Tokyo. But in Barrenex, you and I will be working uh, closely together in terms of bringing your style, your sensitivity, your appreciation and awareness of light, color, moment, settings, all of those things together and your, your teaching style with showing a different side of Tokyo. Tokyo has so many neighborhoods. Um, you know, there's 23 wards, each of which has a very distinct feel, backdrop, culture to it. And we're going to go not just to photograph the, all the iconic places that you always see in Tokyo, but really to get out into the to the suburbs, into the wonderful neighborhoods, um, and to explore those, to talk about photography, to do critiques together, and explore the wonderful place that is Tokyo. It's almost a, an entire country unto itself. So, And we've never done a, a dedicated Tokyo-focused workshop, but I think that you know, what you bring to the table of Baryonyx is, is a perfect fit for that city. And we're really excited to, to be uh, working with you in December on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I just want to say, before we sign off, I want to make a picture of you. You are in traditional Japanese in here. And this, oh my God. when I say that I document daily life, I want you to be a part of our story because you are. And if I could echo what Arthur what, what Arthur uh, said about palette in your new studio and with those clothes on those glasses everything in that picture of you has a very refined palette you are looking great but I, yeah, and, you, and you had to catch me on a day I didn't shave it's just, it's, <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a first uh, not only gets photographed by Sam Abel but I get photographed by Sam Abel while I'm on Skype <laughs> really uh, in the meantime, you had a you, you had a question that you wanted to. Yeah, my my last question, and I'll wait for Sam. I, he probably knows it, but my last question is: I ask each photographer to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So, who would that one photographer be, and why? Uh, someone I recently discovered, thanks to George, is a photographer uh, Fukase. What's his... Uh, Masahisa. 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 Well, Fukase. There is a, I think, a very recent book, uh, almost an anthology of his work that come out. But a book that I had seen that absolutely turned me on and I acquired recently was a book he did called Ravens, uh, which are, well, a big, big part of Jap Japan, Japanese culture. Anyway, Fukase, F-U-K-A-S-E. I want to give okay. a shout out to the photographer that would most like to be here on this trip, and that is Fred Zafran, a photographer in the Washington, D.C. area who studies Japanese every week with a tutor. He came on one of George's trips, passionately wanted to come on the other and couldn't 
make it happen and would dearly love to be on this trip. So for his sincere love of Japan and for his photographs, I want to call out his name, Fred Zafran. Awesome. And George? Uh, well, since I'm working with you and I can't say your name and everybody already knows <laughs> um, I, I will go with uh, Arno Raphael Minkinen. He uh, has really helped me to hone my vision, my own pathway as I go forward. He's a wonderful teacher. He teaches a couple of times a year in different locations around the world. Uh, but his photography um, is has a core, a thread to it that is unlike any other. So I, I'm not going to spoil it by telling people what he does, but he's well worth it. Okay. Well, thank you guys for including me in this part of your trip. Uh, you're going to have to take a couple of shots of sake for me. <laughs> That's been done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue but <laughs> but I, I wish you well on the, the rest of your trip and safe travels back back home. Can we throw one more thing? I want to. Yeah, go ahead. I think we're throwing the same thing in. Is it a four-letter word? No, but we can do that All as right. well. But young George Nabechi is going to be tying the knot this weekend. Oh, oh, oh congratulations! Yeah. Here's to you and now his <laughs> lovely. Woman to be, bride to be. Thank you. <laughs> we got to give a shout out to our brother, Greg Gorman, too, who's been a real part of this trip. In, oh, in uh, to him. <laughs> but he did Skype in from Germany. And so, oh, did he? Yeah, he did. So uh, you've been with us. Greg's been with us. And now George's bride to be also Skyped in. So it's been a modern trip. In that respect, very ancient in ways like this ancient inn, but very modern like today. Thanks to Sam, Arthur, and George for sharing their time and story with us. You'll find out more about them and their work by visiting our website at thecandidframe.com. And I've also interviewed each of those photographers before, so I'll also include links to their respective episodes in the show notes. And as George mentioned, we are now accepting photographers for our own trip to Tokyo in December. For me, it, this isn't going to be just a workshop. It's going to be a rich cultural experience that will not just include photography, but a lot of wonderful moments. You can find out more by visiting the website or go to nobechicreative.com slash workshops. And in just a few weeks, I will be in Washington, D.C. for Focus on the Story, a photographic conference that focuses on photojournalism, documentary photography, and street photography. I'll be there conducting a workshop, but there are also going to be speakers, photo walks, and a whole lot more. You can find out more and sign up for the workshop by just visiting focusonthestory.org. And remember to check out my YouTube channel, where I discuss different aspects of photography by pulling images from listeners just like you who contribute to the Candor Frame Flickr Pool. You can check out the TCF Flickr Pool and our YouTube channel by clicking on the link in the show notes and the website. My new book, Making Photographs, Developing a Personal Visual Workflow, is now available. In it, I translate how to see and use light and shadow, line and shape, color and gesture. It's more than just how to make a good picture, but how you can develop a personal and intimate way of seeing and documenting the world around you. You can order the book today, and when you place your order from the Rocky Nook website, use the promo code PARELLO40 to receive 40% off the list price. 
Check it out on the website and the show notes for the link. And if you want to keep up with all things Candid Frame, sign up for our mailing list and you'll receive three free copies of my previously published ebooks. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, please take the time to write a review in the iTunes Store, Spotify, or the Google Play Store, or wherever you find and listen to podcasts. And if you write a review on a blog post or something, let me know and send me a link because I would really like to thank you on air. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon, or you can make a one-time contribution via PayPal. You'll find the links for both in the show notes and the website. Thanks to James Pop, Frank Field, Naza Kirkodal, Matt Gore, Greg Smith, Tibor Radvani, Jeffrey Nissler, and David Moore for their recent contributions. I can't thank you enough. And if you want to easily access every episode of The Candid Frame, download the Candid Frame app. It's available for both Apple iOS and Android, and it's free. Download it today, and you'll find it where everything else is in the show notes of the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.